We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. You've been drinking out of it during the show. Oh, these are emojis, bro. Oh, they're emojis. All right. Can't really tell that much. Like on daughter's stuff. What are you talking about? What's up, Rotoviz? Hey, everyone. Welcome on Into Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC and my bookie. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz. I'm joined tonight by Matt Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. And back with us, thanks to popular demand, is none other than the creator of Player Profiler, the podfather himself. He's got the sunglasses on, Mr. Fantasy Mansion. Matt, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I need to put my shades on for this show. And uh, of course, Friedman's here. Friedman, how are you feeling now that uh, your podcast nemesis is back? I'm here against my will. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we are going to have an action-packed episode. Very quick reminder before we get into it, get that 10% off podcast discount and also sign up for the Rotoviz Patreon Slack channel and rotoviz patreon that's out of the way let's start off here Matt's 
Friedman and I have been debating Lamar Jackson's outlook for 2019. Where does the podfather stand on Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson's future is so bright, I gotta wear shades. Oh gosh! I was I was saving it. I was saving it. You yeah. know it. Lamar Jackson is a better thrower than anyone gives him credit for. Just because the volume wasn't there doesn't mean the efficiency wasn't. He was one of the more efficient rookie wide receivers or rookie quarterbacks. Yes, rookie wide. <laughs> oh, oh, oh am I? yeah, he should uh, be playing wide almost, receiver. Uh, it's almost well, no, they wanted him to remember they wanted <laughs> him to convert uh, to wide receiver. Remember yeah. that was a. That was discussed. The former Colts general manager thought that Lamar Jackson should be working out at wide receiver, even though all he did was improve as a passer every season at Louisville. And last year, not even that inefficient. I mean, he was you know 62.7% true completion percentage. I've seen a lot worse. 6.4 adjusted yards per attempt. I've seen worse. 80.2 true passer rating last year. I've seen worse, man. We've seen worse in the passing department. He was on pace for over 1,200 rushing yards last season and a full so extrapolated to a full season. The games he started, he would have rushed for over 1,200 yards. I don't think he rushes for over 1,000. I know some think he will. I don't think he will. But I think he makes up for it with surprising efficiency in the passing game. And now that he has downfield weapons – I mean, think about it. Marquise Brown, you have a, one of the better field stretchers to come out of the college football ranks in some time. And you have Miles Boykin, who looks the part of a size speed freak at the wide receiver position. He could be the proper alpha that they need. I'm not sure. I wish he was more dominant at Notre Dame. If he were more dominant at Notre Dame, it'd be a lock. I, I still have to see it. I still think he's developmental. Willie Sneed probably leading this team in targets, sadly. Uh, but Mark Andrews, I mean, it's not the worst. It's one of the worst. I mean, I can't believe it. It's the worst. Okay, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. But I think that even with bad wide receiver play last year, he was more efficient than people think. So I think as a thrower, he's going to impress people. And I think he'll run for, oh, 976 yards. <laughs> and that's a QB1 in fantasy, is it not? Now, the reason why we love Deshaun Watson is because he's a prolific runner and a prolific passer. Usually you have to choose between the two, right? And in the case of Deshaun Watson, he's this perfect combination of both with a difficult schedule and two of the best receivers, one of the best receiving duos in the league. So that's why I think that Deshaun Watson's a real threat to be the QB1, but just goes to show that's the guy you're chasing. You're chasing the guy that looks more like Deshaun Watson in fantasy football than you are Patrick Mahomes. And in that archetype is Lamar Jackson. All right. Well, Matt and I have gone back on this enough, and I've talked about Lamar Jackson enough on Rotovis channels that we don't need to go to the negative side here. Friedman, though, you are in complete agreement, I believe, uh, with Mr. Manchin. I mean, I don't want to say complete agreement because that would be against my brand. I should just say I agree with him and then some. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson will rush for over a thousand yards. And uh, I think he's going to be even better as a passer than lots of people think he will be. Um, I think his receiving unit is actually not as horrible as people think it is. Uh, Mark Andrews, 
could have a massive second year breakout. Like I think he could be a very good receiving tight end in the league, probably never going to do much as the blocker. And that's totally fine with me. Uh, and then I think the wide receivers that they have for Lamar Jackson, uh, are dynamic enough and will probably grow enough within the coming years to suit him. Uh, and I think even in year one, they should be good enough, but yeah, the rushing upside is what everyone cares about with Lamar Jackson. And he has tons of that. So I am all on board with Lamar Jackson. I mean, his completion percentage went up every season at the college level is even better at the professional level as a true sophomore at age 19, which is very young for a quarterback threw for over 3,500 yards and 8.7 yards per attempt at the college level. I, I don't understand where this reputation that he can't throw came from. I, I don't understand it. I think I do actually understand it. I just don't want to talk about it, but I hate it. All right, fair enough. Well, a young passer that we both really like is Kyler Murray. Friedman has gone so far as to draw comparisons to Patrick Mahomes with some caveats, but nonetheless, uh, there's been supreme Murray optimism emanating from this show. Are you as excited as we are? Yeah, this is the kind of quarterback you want. Why are you drafting Kirk Cousins? Why are you drafting pocket passers like Ben Roethlisberger and Kirk Cousins who project to have volume regression in the pass attempts department this year. Why worry about that? You're, you're reaching for these guys that don't have this mobility ripcord if the volume's not there. So don't bother. Just focus on the mobile quarterbacks. They have all the upside. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Kyler Murray. It's Cam Newton. It's Russell Wilson. It's Josh Allen, even. And the best of all, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, Watson proponent this year as well. And actually, uh, I said to you on a show last year that I never, ever could see myself starting Josh Allen. I might be looking to him this year. Uh, Friedman and I talked a lot about him last year. But the real reason that uh, the Podfather is here for this episode is we had quite the spirited debate last season about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Yes. Let's rehash things right now where do you stand Matt do you still believe that Chris Godwin is the better overall receiver of the two I just wrapped a podcast recording with Evan Silva in which he accused me of practicing take lock I thought I had been inoculated to take lock I thought I had that solved that I was immune as it turns out I'm susceptible to it I'm holding on to this Mike Evans is a compiler take from two years ago when he was a compiler, but Evan Silva made the case that with a target share outside the top 20, Mike Evans was much more efficient than he's ever been last season and was top 10 in fantasy football based not on volume, but based on efficiency. And you can't call that guy a compiler. So now my whole take is in the trash can and I'm apoplectic. Wow. Freeman, what's your... Uh... I don't know what to think! <laughs> Freeman, what's your reaction to this news? Uh, I don't even know what to do. It's like I, I came in for what I was expecting to be a uh, very tightly competed chess match, and uh, Manchin just checkmated himself, and I don't know <laughs> what right to now. do. Evan Silva did your work for you. Yeah. Evan Silva put yeah. me on tilt, and I'm still flailing. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, I think that's a uh, very mature 
stance for you to take. And I have to I say, I, I never, I never, less arrogant, but I love Chris Godwin. I don't want this to impact <laughs> how much I love Chris Godwin. We could see a consolidated target share in Tampa and both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans thrive. This could be Minnesota South from last year where you have two top 10 wide receivers at the position. It's possible, right? Top two, top 10 finishers. I mean, maybe. I mean, Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins are in play. There's a handful of wide receivers. I actually think it's more likely that Evans and Godwin both finish as, we'll say, top 12 Q, you know, wide receiver ones in fantasy football. I think it's more likely they do it than Diggs and Thielen. Yeah, I think that's fair. The Okay, so just like blanket statement, I never wanted to be against Chris Godwin last year because I do like Godwin. He has phenomenal potential. Um, he could be a, a top 12 wide receiver, as you say. I don't have him projected there yet because like you can't reasonably project him there because oh, OJ Howard could get a lot of that share. But in his ceiling, in the range of outcomes, he definitely has that upside. And well, given that in the later – Chris Godwin is the quintessential mainstream fantasy sleeper at this point. Yeah, yeah. So touting him is cliche. We can't tout Chris Godwin right. and with any reasonable position because that's already been done. That's plowed ground. Now we have to go to best case scenario. We have to start talking about Chris Godwin, top 10 wide receiver. That's the only way that our takes will even be heard in this echo chamber. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten to the point uh, where he's being drafted now. I'm not all that interested in him because I think a lot of the a lot of the juice has been squeezed out. So yeah, you, you just got to look elsewhere. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You ruined another nice thing, fantasy drafters, because fantasy drafters are becoming more savvy. It used to be that it took to the end of August for ADPs like Chris Godwin's to correct. Now they're correcting in early August. The fantasy community is getting they're getting better. They're getting smarter. They're getting better. It's because of Rotoviz. It's because of PlayerProfiler.com. It's because of Establish the Run. It's because of Fantasy Labs. That's the reason. Can I just say one thing here, uh, Mike Evans? How high do you think he should be drafted this year? Because I still think he's not in that tier of guys. No. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. You can't draft him yeah. at the turn, first and second round. You can't draft him if you have. Uh, the 111, the 112, your focus should be exclusively on Odell Beckham Jr., Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Juju Smith-Schuster. You can't take the risk that Mike Evans is now the 1B on his team, even if the, the volume is highest in the league, like most pass attempts in the league. And we know that the Tampa quarterback last year was the second highest fantasy scoring quarterback after Patrick Mahomes. This is all true. But also we saw last year the team dial back on Mike Evans' target share, and he has a history of inefficient play at the position. So it's possible, it's possible based on this track record that Mike Evans experiences a target share decline and he reverts back to his inefficient ways from his first three seasons in the league. That's the downside risk. And there's just too much downside to draft him in the first half of the second round when these other wide receivers that have higher floors are available and you need to focus on stability and minimize risk in those first couple rounds. Yeah, I mean, Evans last year, 
and you touched on this, it wasn't just that he was efficient. He was efficient in multiple ways. He had the most yards per reception of his career, and he had the highest catch rate of his career. If either one of those regresses, it's not good news, but both of them you would expect to regress. So there really is the potential that he could, I think, underperform what what it was that last year's performance kind of set the expectations for. Yes, and don't forget, Prashad Perriman is a legitimate downfield weapon on the outside. He's not Deshaun Jackson, but he's going to be getting targets down the field. He's going to be, you know cannibalizing some of those. And I think that Justin Watson takes a step forward. I know he's not getting snaps with the ones in preseason, but I think this year sets up really nice for Justin Watson to start to command some targets out of the slot. And then all of a sudden, what looked like a consolidated target share isn't so consolidated anymore. And Mike Evans has alluded to this. Mike Evans has talked about Chris Godwin's ascendance and the emergence of Justin Watson in press conferences. So it's almost like he's coming to terms with the fact that he's no longer that alpha at the top of the pyramid and that it, it's all about him. He realizes that's no longer the case. And if he realizes that's no longer the case and he's not the most efficient wide receiver in the league, eh, eh, why not just go with Keenan Allen? Like who would you rather have Keenan Allen who aesthetically is much fun is much more fun to watch than Mike Evans has been more efficient and projects to live in the slot this year. Or you have Mike Evans who, you know, catches the ball and falls down. Who do you prefer? Okay. Yeah. You just, yeah. Mike Evans, he's the classic jump ball, fall down specialist, but I would still rather have him over Keenan Allen. I think he does have higher upside like Keenan Allen. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who really threatens for like 15 touchdowns. Mike Evans or 1500 yards even. Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans, well, Keenan Allen, he could get 1,500 yards. He would just be on the back Whoa. of a lot of volume. Yeah, like if Keenan or Mike Williams gets hurt, I could see it. But, you know, as of right now, the loss of Tyrell Williams is offset, if not more so, by the addition of Hunter Henry. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, obviously you're right there. But just like Mike Evans, I think he has the potential to have like 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. That's in his range of outcomes. That is not in Keenan Allen's range of outcomes. Yeah. Like I, I will be steadfast in that. Yeah, and the one issue for Chris Godwin is the same issue that Mike Evans faces is the lack of catchable targets. One of the reasons why Mike Evans' catch rate has been so low is his erratic quarterback. Well, Chris Godwin has the same problem. It's just that Chris Godwin is going to be closer to the line of scrimmage. So the depth of target helps the accuracy. So Chris Godwin should receive a higher catchable target rate than Mike Evans. Those are some of the reasons why you could have the hot take that I have that Chris Godwin will outperform Mike Evans in fantasy football. Yeah, that's fair. And one more thing here. Uh, you mentioned Keenan Allen. There's a non-zero chance that Mike Williams does become something close to the number one receiver on that team. Like he won't overtake Keenan Allen, but he could easily steal enough of the targets to make Keenan Allen. Like, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the right play, like Julian Edelman, basically, which is no one's idea of someone you want to draft in the second round. I mean, we talk about Mike Evans volatility. Who's been more volatile the last couple of years than Keenan Allen doing most of his damage in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's how does this turn into just a 
a Keenan Allen takedown segment. Uh, I don't know, but it's strikes again. What, what's amazing to me is that we're actually on the same page on almost all of this. We need to like manufacture some negativity. Yes, yes, we need to manufacture a debate. Yeah, this, this is not Don't going. We have a host for that, Dave. Are you here? <laughs> this is just not going um, as I expected. Hi, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and they've now grown to be the world's largest dynasty league commissioner. Their leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are still forming right now through the start of the NFL season. Entry fees are at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. And for those of you ready for your greatest challenge, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is the main event exactly? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. And this year, it's coming at you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your home. Main event drafts begin August 23rd and run through the start of the season. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. So we're going to move off of that. So I want to know uh, who is the tight end that you are most excited about this season that is not Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Evan Engram, or OJ Howard? Well, you said O.J. Howard, so you have to move O.J. Howard off the table. Yep. It's David Njoku because David Njoku is like those guys, right? If you couldn't get those guys, then you go David Njoku because you named every tight end from that that exceptional <laughs> yeah, from the class two years ago. 2017 yeah. tight end class yep. with George Kittle in the fifth round. And then in the first round, it was Evan Ingram. It was O.J. Howard. And the one guy you didn't list who's in that class – of player he has that talent and he's on a what should be one of the highest scoring offenses at least in the AFC is David Njoku and David Njoku should get more snaps out of the slot now they have Demetrius Harris on the team to be operating in line I think that Njoku has the potential and not just the potential but I think it it's reasonable to build a case of how he could lead all tight ends in touchdowns this year, given the offense he's operating in and the fact the other receivers are all small. And also another thing here, too, is with 
they don't really have a running back that I foresee taking away a couple of targets in close situations with Duke Johnson gone too, which could give him an uptick of maybe another one or two touchdowns. That's right. Their number three at the wide receiver position is Rashard Higgins. And I like Rashard Higgins a lot. He's very, he's super underrated. His ADP should be 10 rounds higher in startups, five rounds higher in seasonal leagues. But it just goes to show that there's a lot of value there on that offense still. Like Jarvis Landry, you could argue, is being underdrafted. He is, yep. And Joku, underdrafted. Higgins, underdrafted. Prior to that, Duke Johnson, underdrafted. But the big correction right now you're seeing is Nick Chubb is starting to go in the first round seasonal leagues. And I don't hate Nick Chubb in the late first round. Again, you want pieces of this offense, and Nick Chubb is the bell cow now in Cleveland. So wait, are you saying that you justify a first-round pick on Chubb? I want my stud running back in the first round and then pound wide receivers. And without Duke Johnson, that opens up targets for Nick Chubb. That puts him in a position where he can be a full-blown bell cow, not just a workhorse. I make the distinction, okay? If you're a bell cow, you're getting targets in the passing game. You're getting 40-plus targets, right? You're going to catch 30 passes. You need that as your just a, the minimum threshold to be a bell cow. You're not just a workhorse. I think that I think that with Duke Johnson in Houston, I think that Nick Chubb has crossed that Rubicon. And you want guys that have that pedigree, right? That are sort of generational runners at the college level. One of, if not the best rookie season we've ever seen. Nick Chubb, 8.1 yards per carry at Georgia as a rookie. The guy is exceptional and if he wasn't in the same draft class as Saquon Barkley he would be viewed a little bit differently but yeah. he's from this draft class with Barkley and Geis and Karrion Johnson and so many quality running backs not named Rashad Penny <laughs> everyone but Penny well <laughs> could be good see I love Nick Chubb and I know that Freeman and I both really liked Chubb but I don't see using a first round pick on him I don't know Freeman are you in the same spot as me here high uh, stakes leagues man they're I, I could, drafting him in the first round now yeah I could see it uh yeah at the turn uh, I don't hate it um especially if you are really adamant just kind of in terms of how you want to build your roster of wanting to get your running back uh, and then attacking other positions after that. I can see it. Uh, Mansion, I want your thought on tight ends after uh, the guys that we mentioned in after and Joku. Um, it's kind of a wasteland uh, after said Mark those guys. Already. Yeah. Mark Andrews Spoiler. is someone. Yeah. Spoiler. I mean, yeah. I mean, so I'm not going to ask you about Mark Andrews, but uh, I don't know. Someone like Jordan Reed, like, would you dare go if back to that? Well, Right. If you like Evan Ingram, then you necessarily like Jordan Reed because they're very similar players on similar offenses in similar roles. And it just so happens that Jordan Reed was Evan Ingram before Evan Ingram. When Evan Ingram came into the league, they were hoping you would be Jordan Reed. So why not just draft Jordan Reed? Like eight rounds later. Right. And Jordan Reed is the perfect bridge tight end. And I'm stealing this take from Evan Silva because I just got <laughs> off the phone with Evan Silva. So I'm taking this take from Evan Silva. Jordan Reed is the ideal bridge tight end to Chris Herndon. Yeah. So you draft both of them, and then Chris Herndon is the best late-round tight end. He has, you know, after Njoku's off the board, 
only Chris Herndon has that top five upside mm. because he could be a featured weapon for an ascending quarterback. And he had over 500 yards as a rookie. All the things you like about Mark Andrews are present with Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon was arguably even a more featured weapon at Miami, outproducing Ahmad Richard while he was there. And then you factor in Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold is the prince that was promised in New York, well, he's going to you know throw for more yards and more passing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson, as much as we like Lamar Jackson. And this all just sets up perfectly for Chris Herndon to have a monster second half. Yeah, I like it. I think uh, if you dare, Tyler Eifert also could be a bridge tied in to Herndon, um, assuming he's not going to get injured in the first few weeks of the season. Of course, not a safe assumption. Yeah, that's a nice bridge. Yeah, the bridge to Herndon. That's a great show title. Yeah, actually, that that would be. I think the thing to add in here, too, is that a lot of people will say, and especially in the case of Reed and Eifert, well, these guys, there's such a high chance they're never on the field, they're going to get hurt. But the key takeaway here is the picks for them are so late this year, who cares? You're probably going to drop those players and churn through that spot anyway. So if it's just one of them, you're taking that chance on tight end. Um, I don't really see that as a bad play this year. Uh, To make sure that we're moving along here, We've talked about this on the show. Oh, one more thing, by oh, the yeah. way. Yep. The beauty of drafting Chris Herndon is in a lot of leagues, they allow you to put suspended players on the IR. That's a good point. Do you draft Herndon? You stash him on the IR, baby, and then you don't burn the roster spot. You're I welcome. Like it. Yep. All right. All right. So you have to take a cross-country road trip with an NFL head coach. Which coach would you want to go with and why? I don't remember seeing this question on the show sheet. I need to come up with something off the off the cuff. You're not going to come up with a better answer than I have, but we'll we'll see. Oh, oh, is that right? Well, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I just don't really uh, pay much attention to coaches. Sometimes that someone will tell me the name of a coach who's still in the league. <laughs> like for example, I didn't know that uh, uh, Chuck Pagano was back. He's a defensive coordinator again. Like I did in Chicago. I did. I, 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 I did not know that, but isn't the answer John Gruden. I mean, isn't John Gruden just an enter? I mean, I, I, I just went through in my head, the Rolodex of NFL coaches trying to beat John Gruden. But I think John Gruden would be the most interesting. Uh, but in terms of enthusiasm, because you want to make it to the end, because road trips are super exciting for the first hour, and you're, you're high five and you're playing music, and, and then you're, and you're an hour in and you really come to terms with the fact that, oh, wow, we're going to be in this car for another six to seven hours. This is going to be hell. At that point, you really want Pete Carroll next to you. That's interesting. He was one of the sleepers that I mentioned, but I, I think the best answer that I came up with was... Matt Patricia, and I would spend the entire ride trying to get him to tell me why Malcolm Butler didn't play. But it would smell. Right? <laughs> we he talked about that odor, too. Like BO, <laughs> and it, he, would have, it, he would have those Cheetos fingers. Why would you do that to yourself? Because I need to know why Malcolm Butler didn't play. Anyway. Matt Patricia, Cheetos fingers, another good show title. Yeah, that, that is. Um, all right. What's your single favorite player profile or metric? Oh, wow. It's a cornerback metric, actually. Okay. I love corner. Cornerback metrics are uh, the uh, 
you know, the QB rating when targeted is a great cornerback metric. And, you know, our cornerback rankings are something that not a lot of people know about. They, you know, maybe they just didn't think about it. But every year in the seasonal rankings, we maintain cornerback rankings and we update them every week. And we actually show the projected wide receiver cornerback matchup for the upcoming season. And passer rating allowed by cornerbacks is great, but there's also pass breakups and we have target separation. So I know this is like, I didn't want to answer, but yeah. really my whole thing is this whole suite of metrics that we have on cornerbacks that some people just don't realize exists. When you add it up, the target separation, the passer rating allowed, the catch rate allowed, we have this aggregate metric called coverage rating. And that also factors in their target rate because with a lot of these efficiency metrics, they're skewed to corners that get targeted a lot. So they get opportunities for pass breakups, right? Yeah. Well, what if you're not targeted a lot? What if you're like Patrick Peterson and you just don't get targeted a lot? Well, that should count too. So by factoring in those with a low target rate into the coverage rating, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be the cornerback coverage rating. If I had to pick one of those, I like it. That's really cool. Um, you and yeah, you don't really hear people talk about cornerbacks in any type of capacity like that, let alone that level of detail. But um, look at Robbie Anderson. I mean, Mike Clay had a a rare good tweet where he laid out all the cornerback matchups for Robbie Anderson to start the season, and it is the most difficult roster of opposing cornerbacks to start a season through the first seven weeks I have ever seen because even when he's facing a cornerback or every time he's facing a cornerback it's a cornerback who shadows it's Stephon Gilmore and it's Stephon Gilmore again okay it's terrifying before you draft Robbie Anderson I implore you to go to Mike Clay's timeline and look at the opposing cornerbacks that Robbie Anderson is scheduled to match up with. Absolutely terrifying. So we talked a lot about speed score back in the spring. It's one of the metrics we really like to look at for running backs. Uh, Raquel Armstead posted an impressive 112. Miles Sanders showed pretty significant athleticism at the combine. Is there one rookie running back outside of those guys that you look at this year and you just get really excited looking at that athletic profile? Raquel Armstead's hurt. So it's one thing to be hurt if you're a veteran and you're on a a management plan, right? The rookies that get hurt, it's particularly, uh, you know, cautionary. Yep. So Nikhil Harry, stay away. Paris Campbell, stay away in seasonal leagues. I was drafting Paris Campbell not long ago in best ball and, you know, pros versus Joes, all these leagues. I wanted Paris Campbell for the splash plays, but he's not practicing. And when weeks go by and guys aren't practicing, if they're rookies, I cross them off the list. And Raquel Armstead is trending in that direction. Also, Leonard Fournette is trending in the positive direction. He's catching more passes out of the backfield. He was actually quietly heavily targeted his final season at LSU. So it's possible that both Nick Chubb and Leonard Fournette both move from workhorse to bell cow status in the NFL this season. But coming into the league, the guy that projects to be 
an RB1 out of the gate, because there's always one rookie who just, out of the gate, you know he's an alpha, right? He's the real deal. Saquon Barkley, go back every year, there's a guy, right? He doesn't necessarily even come out of the first round, like Le'Veon Bell. But there's a guy who just clearly a men among boys in preseason, and it's clear it's Miles Sanders, right? And the only reason we don't view Miles Sanders the way we viewed Nick Chubb and, and some of these other high pedigree running backs coming out of college is because Miles Sanders was trapped behind Saquon Barkley. If Miles Sanders was on a different team in college, he'd have been viewed differently. He'd probably be drafted before Josh Jacobs. And it's the whole perception would be different. But the beauty is by going in the second round, he went to the right team. He went to an Eagles team that is absolutely loaded with one of, if not the best offensive line in football. So you have an efficient, high-scoring offense with a super-efficient run-blocking unit in front of you. That's a running back you want to chase. Now, when you add talent and you add like size-adjusted athleticism, which is the speed score, to that mix, that's how you get a top-five running back in fantasy football. Like that, that's, Those are the ingredients for that recipe. So Friedman, you actually, I don't know if you ended up with Montgomery as your highest ranked running back coming out um, of the uh, draft this year. Do you put Montgomery ahead of Sanders? you want to take a little debate here? Uh, no, I don't put Montgomery ahead of Sanders. Uh, I have Jacobs and Sanders uh, kind of in a tier above Montgomery. Uh, and actually, I... I'd like to get fantasy mansions thoughts on Montgomery and kind of where he stands, maybe not necessarily oh, even for God. just this season, but like uh, in a, a dynasty type of perspective, because I know that the bears traded up for him. So they invested more draft capital in him than just a third round pick, but the rest of the league viewed him as a third round pick because they let him fall to the third round. So that also <laughs> means something. Uh, and in dynasty, I know that, uh, he has this great potential, but I can't I can't in good conscience put him above second round wide receivers, for instance. Like I just you know, the wide receiver position, it's worth more in dynasty, it lasts longer. Those guys have more draft capital invested. Yeah, but they're not in more valuable in their rookie year though. So in Dynasty, I'd rather have Montgomery so I can trade him halfway through the season. David Montgomery is a screaming sell candidate in dynasty and he's probably going to be overdrafted by the end of august based on all this hype i mean he is screaming up the adp ranks going up a full round at the ffpc already and it he's it, only going to get hotter and more hyped as these weeks go by and he oh, stutter steps a guy in preseason or a jump cut oh right it's just crazy man like darwin thompson hurdles a guy in a meaningless game and he jumps three rounds you need to take advantage of that by simply staying away from those players who get overdrafted the problem with montgomery is he wasn't being drafted super early prior to this so it's going to be another week probably till he gets to a place where he's a full-blown stay away guy in the long term I'm not interested in guys like David Montgomery. I think he's, like I said, I think he's going to be productive in seasonal leagues. Great. I mean, good for you if you have him. But I don't think he's going to be a league winner like Miles Sanders, yeah. given his situation, his talent profile. 
in the long run, I want all the Sanders in Dynasty because this is a cornerstone build your roster around this guy running back. That's not David Montgomery, man. He's an RB2, longer term. He's best comparable to guys like Carlos Hyde. He was inefficient, 4.7 yards per carry at Iowa State, right? He catches the ball out of the backfield some. He's big. He checks a lot of these basic boxes that you want for a bell cow back, but he doesn't jump out at you in any given metric. And guys like that tend to flash a season, a half a season. Maybe they could put together two seasons, but they're not these dynasty assets that endure. The one thing where I would disagree with you a little bit is I think Montgomery is better as a pass catcher than you give him credit for. And he was also pretty good in college. Actually, let me rephrase that. He was very good in college at breaking tackles. The question is, like, how much is that I actually worth? I he's not good at breaking tackles. But a lot of guys are good at breaking tackles. And especially once they get to the professional level, that ability diminishes because right. the defenders are a lot bigger, a lot stronger, and a lot faster. So for a guy like David Montgomery – with the tackle breaking, I have to see the elusiveness first, right? Let me see it. Am I allowed to see it in real life with real NFL defenders? I want to see what his juke rate looks like halfway through the season. If it's low, then he's more of a sell candidate. If it's high, okay, maybe he has some je ne sais quoi factor about him. He just has this incredible feel for the position. Maybe I let him ride for the entire season and I don't trade him. But this wide player profiler exists. You can monitor things like yards created, yards created per carry, juke rate, production premium. And you can see how efficient guys are on a situational basis, things that factor out their supporting cast in particular. All right. So I think I'm a little bit higher on David Montgomery than you are. But still, like, I I don't know. I think he is overdrafted right now. He's overdrafted, man. Listen, if you're just a reasonable person with David Montgomery, then – you're going to be behind the crowd, right? We're going to be on the same team, just either being reasonable or thinking that he's overrated or, or, or thinking that he's not quite, you know, or he doesn't maybe, maybe thinking he was perfectly fine being drafted in the third round. I think he's a third round running back. I think he's fine, right? You think he's pretty good. I think he's fine. We're both way behind the crowd with those yeah. opinions. Yeah. All right. James White currently has a positional ADP of running back 26 in FFPC drafts. That puts him at 51 overall. Tariq Cohn is RB 27 at 58 overall. Which back would you rather have? Neither. They're satellite backs, man. I don't know when to play them. I mean, if I had a hindsight scope where I could look back in time a day and know when to play them, sure. But I don't know when to start these satellite backs. So they're best ball options. I mean, it's great. I mean, the reason they're getting drafted where they're getting drafted is because the FFPC is a hell of a lot of best ball leagues because it's a great platform. And it's one of the best places to play best ball. And James White and Tariq Cohen are great in those formats. But in formats where I actually have to pick the guy I'm going to start, I hate starting James White. I never know when he's going to play well. I don't know what the game script's going to look like. And the Patriots want to be a run team, not a passing team. So I think that the pass-to-run ratio is going to continue to tilt toward the run game, and that means more Sony Michelle and Damian Harris and less James White. I don't disagree entirely with those takes. If I had to choose one of those guys, it wouldn't be Cohen. I'll say that. Okay. Um, we don't like these guys. Yeah, I, I think that closes <laughs> things up there. This is not, 
It's not the type of player. I like satellite backs later. I like Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson could outtouch James White, offer more explosive plays on a better offense rounds later. Yeah, I mean, I do think James White has the potential to uh, once again have, you know, like over a thousand yards from scrimmage and, you know, like nine or 10 touchdowns. I think he has that potential. But like for starting leagues like each week, it is hard to know when to start him. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if he outplayed his ADP and also uh, underperformed expectations. Okay. It's a great paradox of the satellite back, my friend. Yeah, that's that's an interesting um, way to look at it, but I do think that that kind of makes sense, Matt. Um, moving along, I want. By the way, can we just val? I just want to make sure that I mean, most of your listeners know this, but uh, you know, I I I am doing this show for the handful of new listeners out there. They've stumbled on a road of his radio. They're loving this content, but they're new to this, so yeah. I want to make sure they know this. This person, I'm talking to you, new guy. Philip Lindsay is a raging fraud. He is a satellite back that was thrust into an every down role, and he was basically playing way above his level of competence. It was the Peter principle in action, and then what happened? He got hurt on schedule. The Broncos want Royce Freeman, who played through a high ankle sprain last year, to be their primary back and make the world right where the guy that has the size, speed, and the all-purpose skill set, that he's the primary back, and the little fast guy is the satellite back. The world's going to come back into balance with that Denver backfield this year. Yeah, we actually were really high on uh, Royce Freeman coming out of school. Now, Blair Andrews did have a fantastic piece that pointed to Philip Lindsay with his dominator rating in school being a guy that was going under the radar. Uh, but we have yeah, had like concerns. Austin Eckler, like yeah. Justin Jackson, you can get these guys late. It's the perfect play. You just don't pay for those type of players in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Forget it, man. He's 180 pounds. Yeah, that, that's all true. Um, so, I once asked Freeman if he had any hidden talents. Stop drafting satellite backs in the single-digit rounds. Just stop it. He just pulled out an actual microphone. So um, that went along nicely with the with the drinking glass covered with, like, bugs. Maybe there's some spiders on there, some ladybugs. No, you've been drinking out of it during the show. Oh, these are emojis, bro. Oh, they're emojis. All right, can't really tell that much. Like on. Daughter, stop. What the are you talking about <laughs> all right all right so i've asked friedman before if he had any hidden talents apparently he gives out really great life advice uh which is debatable but do you have any hidden talents you can share with us i thought i give out great life advice wait what i thought I, the mansion lifestyle oh that's right that's right i thought i was the guy that did that there can be only one. Oh, what i have a, you know what i have you know what i have my, my skill yep my skill is that I have a, a way of a unique way to get people to help me and feel good about it. Oh, that's a good one. You know what I mean? Like to do me favors and then, you know, they think that I'm doing them a favor. But it, when it's all said and done, they actually did me a favor. Is this your just way of saying that you're basically highly manipulative? I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> all right. But, you know, this is basically it's a lesson 
of life, I think, is that if you are enthusiastic about even like the most menial tasks, then if people are doing those tasks with you together, they feel better about it, right? Yeah. So I have, a, I have a way of even if I'm such an optimist and it really hurts me in fantasy football because pessimists like Matt Friedman are much better at fantasy football than optimists. And I'm trying to be more of a pessimist that you've noticed it. You've, you've heard me today. Oh, Matt, you've matured. Yes. Yes. I'm trying to be more of a pessimist. But this raging optimism can sometimes help when you have difficult tasks like we just moved. Right. Yeah. And, it, you know, when, when you're late at night and you're packing and you're moving things, uh, if you can just in, infuse some enthusiasm and tell some jokes and, and, and an attaboy, the, the right time to add a boy, you know, that goes a long way. You can be more productive. Maybe, am I saying I'm a good leader? I think that was a backdoor way of me calling myself a good leader, good leadership skills. Holy (laughs) shit, I didn't even know that. I learned something about myself today. All right. Um, That's interesting, actually, that you consider Friedman to be the pessimist, because on this show, we always end up identifying him as the optimist. Uh, Nonetheless, though, we are both... Yeah, yeah. You know, he's re- he's always on here, you know, talking about guys being the next Patrick Mahomes. Um t- every single rookie he loves. Yeah. Anyway. I don't think so. I would just say I'm a realist. The world is the world is a relative place. It's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. We recommend this to our listeners because they've been good to us. That's why my bookie is always the right play. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. My bookie is live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. You know Friedman and I love doing these every Sunday. All you have to do in the handicapping contest is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb to the leaderboard and you score your share of the huge cash prize pool right now you can get a first deposit bonus and double your first deposit and that is up to a one thousand dollar first deposit just use the promo code rotoviz to activate the offer visit my bookie online today that's m y b o o k i e and don't forget to use the promo code rotoviz when creating your account to claim the bonus again Check out my bookie. Get in on that NFL action. You bet, you win, they pay. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy 
decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Yeah, that that's true. So uh, we both have Juju Smith-Schuster as our wide receiver. One, are we wrong? And if so, how wrong are we? What? Let me just let me let me put some context on this. I have Juju Dynasty? projected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I no, I'm just for this upcoming <laughs> season. Wait, in terms wait, this of, season? In yeah. terms of yeah. projections, I have, I have Juju as the highest projected guy. But that's not the same thing as rankings. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Because Get someone up, else has Juju ahead of Hopkins. Get out of here. I actually think, I think that you can make a case for it, to be I, honest. I think Juju has a very reasonable chance to score more points than Hopkins this year. I have him projected for more points right now. I would so probably take Hopkins over Juju. Though. To run this high-volume pass attack last year, and they failed. They missed the playoffs. And there will be a reckoning in Pittsburgh based on last year's failure, and that will lead to a more run-centric offense where they run the ball and they run the offense through Connor and Samuels. I think that's what you're going to see in Pittsburgh. I think that it's going to lead to Ben Roethlisberger going from number one in the league in pass attempts to outside the top 10. And that the, the results of that will be felt across the offense, right? The, the impact will be felt across the offense. And that all the players where you projected a target share in a number of targets – based on last year's volume, they just won't meet expectation. Where in, te- in, te- in w- it, w- the Texans and Houston, it's the opposite. And I don't think you can be bullish enough on this offense and the volume in particular because the schedule is so difficult. And now this is the second year removed from the ACL tear. You have a healthy and operating in his prime Deshaun Watson with a consolidated target share, Kiki QT is hurt, and he's at a real risk of missing the first couple games. That means it's DeAndre Hopkins and it's Will Fuller. There's no tight end of consequence. There's a satellite back now who will just slide into that QT role. I, I like Duke Johnson even more if QT misses time. But if you look at what DeAndre Hopkins did last year, 33% target share and 20.8 fantasy points per game – he did it despite a relatively inaccurate passes that were directed his way. In his first year coming back from the ACL tear, Deshaun Watson was tentative, and he was not particularly accurate when targeting DeAndre Hopkins, and it didn't matter because DeAndre Hopkins' contested catch rate of 55.8 was top 10 in the league. It just didn't matter. It doesn't matter. He'll score fantasy. Tom Savage could be back there. It doesn't matter. But I think that we're finally going to see a full season of stable, if not prolific, quarterback play for DeAndre Hopkins in his prime. And it sets up for him to have a career year, to blast past 1,500 yards. We're talking about 1,800 yards and 10 to 15 touchdowns. That's absolutely in DeAndre Hopkins' range of outcomes. This is the year to have him. He's 27 years old. He's in the ideal offensive situation. It's just going to be throw, 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 throw with an accurate quarterback operating at the peak of his powers. It just all sets up so perfectly for DeAndre Hopkins in a way that it just doesn't set up for Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. Uh 
so much of what you said is totally wrong. Part of what you said is fine. DeAndre Hopkins is in a good spot, but Will Fuller is far too good of a, a secondary receiver to allow Hopkins to get as much production as you thought he would. So unless Fuller suffers an injury, um, there is no way that Hopkins has the 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns in his range of outcomes. Like that's just, that is not possible. But Hopkins plays better when Fuller's on the field. I understand what you're saying, but Fuller, Fuller stretches will, the field and he actually Fuller will take too many safety. yards. You could Fuller argue will take that yards and touchdowns. Two situations in the league, the presence of Will Fuller helping DeAndre Hopkins is one of the few situations in the league that violates the law of the conservation of targets. That having a better receiver across from you, if you're an alpha, a true alpha, an alpha alpha like DeAndre Hopkins, that it can only help you. He was number two in the league in yards per pass route last year. That's how efficient he is. He's the most efficient wide receiver in the league. And they will throw the ball more in Houston. Even if the target share declines, the total pass volume will make up for it. And the increase in catchable targets will make him even more efficient. I know what you're saying, but you're, you're wrong about that. But that's, that's just Houston. The juju stuff you are entirely wrong about when it comes to the narrative that you're shoehorning in. They're not going to look at what they did last year and think, oh, we missed the playoffs because we had too much of a pass heavy offense. They're going to think we missed the playoffs because Antonio Brown screwed us in week 17. That is the narrative. They're going to continue to do something pretty close to what they did last year. But even if they do it less successfully, I still think Juju has the capabilities of having that season that you just said Hopkins will have. Juju could have that season. Hey, you're hoping that Juju Smith-Schuster becomes DeAndre Hopkins, but I've seen DeAndre Hopkins do it. I haven't seen Juju Smith-Schuster do it yet. Yours is a projection. Mine is reality. What are you talking if about? You Juju, Juju did it last year. Become DeAndre Hopkins because they have very similar workout metrics, similar college profiles. They're similar players. But I have the guy that's already in his prime in the best possible offensive situation. You're just hoping there for your is guy no to be as good way. As no, Juju did it last year. Juju had 1,400 receiving yards last year. He's going to have higher target share, and and this is the significant. Thing. He's going to have many more targets in the red zone and in the end zone. He like he has a full-blown chance of being the wide receiver one. I like Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins had 25 targets in the red zone last year. What do you think Juju's going to have? That was top three of the NFL. I, like, I understand that, but what do you think Juju's going to have? It's not about what Dante he did last Murphy year. He's not small. And Vance McDonald is going to be a major target magnet in the red zone. It's not like there's no receivers left after Antonio Brown. They added Moncrief. James Washington has another year of development. And Are, are you seriously hanging your hat? Are you hanging your hat mom, on Dante Moncrief? And their brother and their sister and their cousin is projecting a breakout for Vance McDonald. How can all of that happen? And then... And, and, Juju Smith-Schuster have all the targets to himself. No, okay, it so almost happened last year with Antonio well, Brown there. You fall for this every year where you take the quarterback that finished number one in pass attempts and just pencil in those attempts this year. No, that's 
yeah, but I really, think that's not that's not Steelers, what I'm doing. Yeah, that's not what I'm doing. Going to be are going to decline this year because it's just natural. There's just no way you finish. Yeah, they, they are that going game. to decline. It's one thing if you're Tampa, you don't have a running game. The Steelers actually have a running game. So and last year they were in general experienced positive game script. So last year was very much an outlier. The, the mechanics behind Ben Roethlisberger finishing number one in pass attempts can't be repeated. Okay, here's the thing. I am still projecting them for fewer targets overall as a team than they had last year. Like, it's reasonable to do that. You have to do that. But Juju is going to have a massive surge in target share. Like, that is just going to happen. And what you were saying is that Dante Moncrief, a guy who has never lived up to anything in the league, and that a it's rookie... flashing in preseason, Matt. Uh, it's flashing. Oh, preseason. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. When okay. Andrew Luck was healthy, because remember, Dante Moncrief was trapped on the Jacksonville offense last year, and he actually produced on a handful of occasions. And the a year handful prior, of occasions. And anemic... Jacoby Brissett led Colts. If you go back to when he actually had a healthy Andrew Luck, he was a red zone weapon. In fact, that was the reason, that was the case for drafting Dante Moncrief was his red zone prowess. That was five years ago. The so, guy has done almost nothing in the NFL. And you're you're saying that he is going to take significant opportunities away from Juju, who is one of the most prolific young wide receivers in it's NFL a very history. Easy case to make that Juju Smith Schuster finishes top five in the league in target share. You're making this even more ridiculous. That's fine. You're the most ridiculous assertion is this Juju Smith Schuster leading the league in red zone targets. That's I'm not saying he's going to lead the league in red zone targets. I'm saying he's going to have significantly more than he had last year because Antonio Brown, who led the league in end zone targets, is vacating all of those. Juju is going to get a significant share of those. DeAndre Hopkins commanded 45% of his team's end zone targets last year. Nothing is changing other than Deshaun Watson will be better and their schedule would be more difficult, and they're going to have to throw the ball even more. All right. We can we can agree to disagree on this, but he's competing against – Hopkins is competing against two really good mm. wide receivers and one of the best pass-catching backs in the league, while Juju is going against a career underachiever in Dante Moncrief, James <laughs> Washington, a guy who has potential but did nothing last year as a rookie, and then an incoming rookie in Deontay Johnson who doesn't have much speed. Moncrief and, and then a career, and then a career underachiever. is a better player. A career underachiever in Vance McDonald. He's a better player. Absolutely. But they're not worlds apart. As they are two worlds players. apart. Yeah, I have, to, I have to disagree there. If you look at what Will Fuller has done – on a per-game basis when he's been available, there's absolutely no comparison that you can draw with what Dante Moncrief's done at this point. Now, obviously, you can I make the case as bad quarterback play. I'm saying they're not worlds apart. Yeah, I, they are. They play similar roles. They are worlds they apart. They are worlds apart. They aren't going to be crazy dissimilar. They are massively worlds apart. You can tell that by their, their talent for one, their fantasy production for two, and their current ADPs for three. They are worlds apart. Their ADPs are not worlds apart. Will Fuller and Dante Moncrief? Yeah. Will Fuller is going in the eighth round. Dante Moncrief is going in the 11th round. What are you talking about? That is pretty significant. That's not worlds apart. 
that is worlds apart. What are you talking about? I'll say it's it's the between o- worlds that apart. Is world, that but is it's because Fuller apart. got hurt last season. I mean, that's that's what's depressing is ADP. It doesn't have to do with his talent. We know we know a healthy a healthy Will Fuller would be higher. Will Fuller's not even a hundred percent to start the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that that probably is a fair thing to to include in, into the conversation if we're I looking mean, at the guys, overall picture. Guys, everything is lining up for DeAndre Hopkins. And it'd be one thing if you came at me with Devontae Adams, but you're coming at me with Juju Smith-Schuster. If you want to have an argument... All right, what's the difference between Adams and Schuster? Juju Smith-Schuster outscores Devontae Adams. I'm here for that. Okay. Juju Smith-Schuster is just a better player in a similar situation to Devontae Adams. It's a very easy case to make, but you're going after the wrong alpha when you're trying to challenge DeAndre Hopkins. I, I, I get what you're saying, but that's almost the point. Like, that, it, it's too easy. I wish I said Devontae Adams, and then it would have been a much easier argument, Because, I, but I have so much firepower behind me, this, this tailwind of metrics and sublime performances that you, you just can't, all right, so Take I actually okay, I, so there's one key thing I got to insert it. here, but Matt, I'll let you go first because you have to drop off in two minutes. Then I'm going to make my point, and we'll see what Mansion thinks about it. Look, okay, I'm just going to say, like you are the like the quote unquote betting favorite on this. Like Hopkins should be the guy that everyone would think has the higher Hopkins. chance. This kills you to have. I, this I like I like Hopkins. I like him a lot, but I think Juju is actually in the better position to have more production this year. And you think it's also ridiculous to put Devontae Adams ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, right? You disagree with that. You see that a lot in fantasy football nowadays. I'm I'm with Hopkins ahead of Adams. Thank you. Thank you. And, and the people that, that put Adams ahead of Hopkins don't know what they're talking about, right? <laughs> no, and I'm not I'm not saying that. Oh, come on, you we had it. I thought I had you. I'm not I'm we not were saying together, that. remember? We're we're moving. Yeah. We're a team. I'm a leader. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, All right. So my point was, I was going to say this, though, just in a vacuum, if you run the season that Hopkins had last year in the season that Juju had last year through the historical projections that we do, even with the tool assuming that Antonio Brown is there in Juju's output, it actually gives him a better range of outcomes than DeAndre Hopkins this year. And I think it's very easy to say that if we start bringing in subjective factors, things are lining up in a much better scenario for Juju to see improvement this year than uh, Hopkins. So I think that we might be overestimating here the increase in the projection that we're giving to Juju. We don't even really need that much of an increase over last year for things to work out for him. I have Juju Smith-Schuster as the number one wide receiver in Dynasty. Most people have Adams or Hopkins number one in Dynasty. All right, yeah, I just good. got it over with and put Juju Smith-Schuster number one in Dynasty because he's fantastic. If you like DeAndre Hopkins, why not get DeAndre Hopkins five years younger? That's Juju Smith-Schuster. It's a very easy case to make that it's all about Juju Smith-Schuster in dynasty but i just think this year this year you want deshaun watson you want deandre hopkins you want will fuller you want duke johnson you want pieces of this texans offense all right well, period yeah we can get down with all of that and that actually in the historical projections deshaun watson absolutely kills it which is why he just might be my uh, qb1 period. this year so friedman we do you agree. have to leave- juju smith schuster is fantastic he's the best 
But you could argue that there's a case to be made that after Saquon Barkley, that Juju Smith-Schuster should be the number two player picked in dynasty startups. I mean, it's between him and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. But given the the lifespan and the lifetime value, the total raw lifetime value accrued by a wide receiver, given that they have a, a longer shelf life and more productive total overall careers. And you can also see the way Juju Smith-Schuster works, you know, catching 300 passes off the jugs machine after practice every single week. You can see also he doesn't play above the defense, right? He's a after-the-catch guy. He's a technician. You can see Juju Smith-Schuster having a long career, having a Larry Fitzgerald career arc. So there's the argument to draft Juju, if not top five, top three in a dynasty startup. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. Please. All right. Don't yeah. get this twisted. <laughs> okay. Well, th- th- this was a, a a great segment. I think we've arrived at a great takeaway, which is basically all of these guys we just mentioned you want to go after. Uh, Mr. Friedman, do you have to drop off? Yeah, I got to go. All right. And the beauty is you can get Juju in the late first round, and you need to push that button. It's actually even possible in some drafts you could get Hopkins and Juju if everybody you're drafting with are not that sharp. Uh, it could happen. Anyways, um, Manchin, I don't right, know. Yeah, if- you could get Hopkins at seven. Yep. Right, and you get Juju yeah. in the middle of the second round. I almost round. had that in the draft last it's night. It's conceivable. On the and then you can yeah. just go ahead and, and give them your address, and that's where they send the trophy. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Friedman, you can leave Manchin. Do you want to uh, close here? You have a couple more minutes. I'm pretty tired. All right. I will can I go soon? <laughs> What's that? Am I allowed to go soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go. I have one quick question for you on podcast. Well, yeah, let's, let's close it out, buddy. All right. So the player profiler Rotoviz draft kit still available. That's still being updated. Fantasy-draftkit.com. Fantasy-draftkit.com. A player profiler Rotoviz production. And the beauty is the cheat sheet is being updated constantly as injuries happen. Kiki QT has to be moved down. Players get traded. Duke Johnson has to be moved up. Even the analysis, the individual player analysis gets updated. And the Rotoviz team is tracking all the big ADP movers, and they're writing up on every team preview the player that's moving the most up and down the ADP big boards. So there's a lot of updated content there. So unlike a magazine or a PDF draft kit that just doesn't change, just the stale you know, lump of content. This is this sort of vibrant, dynamic draft kit. And I can't imagine providing more information about teams and players. Yeah. I really don't think that's out there anywhere. So, uh, we appreciate the Podfather coming back on this year. Can we already just pencil you in for another, uh, for a returning appearance next summer? Well, thank God we found something to disagree on. It took us the whole show. (laughs) We had to have this ridiculously contrived Juju Smith-Schuster wide receiver one argument. Yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, we don't have time for a game this year, which I will say people were requesting... That no we, we do another no? one. <laughs> no. That well, you know, remember last year I and we did like a random like kind of trivia thing where I just like grabbed like random player profiler metrics and had you guys try to uh, guess the player I was talking about. Well, Matt Friedman had to go. Yeah, and I'm tired, so we're gonna do this next time. Okay, Dave. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Thanks for uh, stopping by. Love you, bud.
This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.